Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today, they're a reality.
that was the uh, great Geggy Ta. I want to thank you, whoever you are. Uh, yes, the uh, the wonderful art of the lane change. I have to be very careful with my microphone because uh, I got a bad review. Actually, it was a good bad review. It was a review that ultimately is a good review, but on the surface is a bad review. Well, what does that mean? It means that <clears throat> over on Apple, and you can review this podcast on Apple. Give it as many stars as you like. Five stars is always the best. Then uh, somebody gave me a review. It was great broadcast, filled with information. But Robert has an annoying habit of knocking his mic around. So he paid me like two stars for that review. So I went from a perfect five to 4.8. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good review because number one, it's supporting what I do, right? In a positive way. It's also telling me that, you know, Robert, you need to up your game a little. You need to make sure that you don't knock your mic around. So... I'm taking that to heed and I'm being very conscious of the microphone today. That was a cool video, wasn't it? That's uh, God, when did that come out? I think that was in the nineties and Gagita from San Diego. That was on the Luaka Bop label. That was uh, David Burns imprint on Warner brothers that um, he had the, privilege the pleasure and the privilege of putting albums together for himself Gagita, and um, some brazilian musicians he had some of those uh, really good tropicalismo o brasileiro compilations uh that were really really good david burns love affair with brazilian music i'm not that crazy about but the artists that he curated were, were pretty good. I have to say, I was, a, I was a big Brazilian music freak for a while. Really got into it. Um, whenever a Brazilian artist came to town, I did my best to go see them. I've seen, uh, let's see, Hermeto Pascal, but that was, in, that was in Seattle. Crazy. I was gonna play Hermeto Pascal video See, I'm going to touch the mic. I have to restrain myself. Uh, who else? Caetano Veloso. I saw him. He did most of the concerts sitting down, which is okay. I'm okay with that. But it was it was good. It was a good good show. I've seen Yvonne Leans, who was really good, really really good, like surprisingly good, like maybe better than Caetano Veloso. Good. Um, and then who else? I see Mil Milton Nascimento, who was really good. I love Brazilian music. I was trying to find a good Brazilian tune to play. And then I stumbled across Gaggy Tom. Like, that's just su such a happy song. You know, it's like you're making that lane change. And it's a thing of beauty. You got the signal on. 
right? You get the blind spot covered, which is always, that's so embarrassing when you, when you don't have the blind spot covered and all of a sudden you got to go, Oh shit, I fucked up. And then you realize that just about everybody else has fucked up on the blind spot. So it's not so bad. And then there's always the acknowledge, right? The wave. I think the wave and the acknowledgement is a really big deal. If you don't have the wave and the acknowledgement on the road, it's like um, it's like civilization beginning to fray at the seams. And I've noticed that people did the acknowledgement and wave more in California than they do in Texas. They're not big on it in Texas. It's like they just assume that you know that they're waving inside. They're waving on the inside. You just have to assume that. <sighs> Coffee's hot today. How was everybody? I'm um, getting a little bit of a late start today, but that's okay. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast if you're listening. And uh, the numbers on the podcast are pretty good. We're almost, they're almost always better when uh, Russ Winter is on the show because he'll post the podcast on his website. And then I get people coming over and listening and some people sign up and jump on board. And then I think they go, who the fuck is this guy? I'm not sure I like everything he has to say. And then I think they unsubscribe. I think I'm holding steady though. The numbers, I've got a strong core of steady subscribers. Now, this is, by the way, a not official sampling of the podcast tool that I use. So they're getting a random sample of people listening from iTunes, subscribing from iTunes. Some people don't even subscribe. They just go and there it is. And okay, there's that guy. Uh, but um, I think it's going well. I'm, I'm going to be looking into live streaming on Rumble uh forthcoming that's why i did that film which i didn't play today that's why i didn't do it's it's that film that minute long film is actually for rumble but it said on uh i may do a different film i may do a different film for Boxcast. i don't know but if i if i do one for rumble then i probably should do it for Boxcast as well so that's so that it's consistent I think that would be a good thing. Another uh, weird, dismal, hot, windy, overcast day in the hill country. The weather has been nothing short of strangely apocalyptic here. Looks like we could get some rain, which would be nice, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. All right, let's talk a little bit about CBD and True Hemp Science, who is a sponsor of the show. So let's uh, let's do a little visual and let's get into Chatlandia or Chataria, and we can see how everybody's doing today. Yes, it is the highest quality CBD. I stand by that. Actually, I sit by it. But if I was standing up, and sometimes I do stand up, I would certainly stand by it. 
And True Hemp Science is a local business based out of Austin, and the proprietor is one Christopher Lynch. And he offers a wide range of CBD for both humans and pets. And there is a CBD. So Chris has his CBDs numbered off. And there is a sleep CBD that is not in gummy form. I have been informed. So if you're interested in just purchasing a vial of CBD that you can use for sleep, he's got it. You can also use it for other things too. Uh, so there's a lot of latitude in terms of the product. And if you spend $100, you will get at least $20 worth of merchandise coming back at you. It's always fun when you order something and you get something that you didn't expect. Like, oh, wow, look at this. It's kind of like Christmas. So if you're listening on the podcast, just go to truehempscience.com. It is spelled just like how it sounds, truehempscience.com backslash ref, backslash 23. Got to get those backslashes in there. Backslash ref, backslash 23. And then 15 mins, one five M-I-N-S, capital, says that you came from this place and that you are uh, going to be receiving Chris's generous offer. So there you go, a little, little business out of the way there. Let's uh, let's check in with Chataria. What's happening, Chataria? Let's see, who do we have here? We've got Scrubbies, Tamara, batting leadoff today at 9.09 a.m. There's my man, Thomas. Good morning, TJ. DJ MC in the house. I guess there's a remix version of Gegita, Mike. Uh, Sony's here. What's going on, Sony? Wendy says in the house. Empath. What's going on, Empath? Good to see you. You're back in the uh, mix. Double K, Catherine Kramer. She's here. I'm Spartacus. I like that. I like that. That's from a movie, isn't it? It's like a Burt Lancaster movie or something like that. Rocky. Which, good morning, Rocky. Kelly B. What's going on, Kelly? Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Garrett Brooks. Morning, Garrett. Welcome to the proceedings. You guys are so welcoming. Uh, there's my girl, Fran. What's going on, Fran? Sea Pines in the house. Do we have a uh, JJ sign? Hey, Jacqueline. What's going on, JMP? Let's see. Who else do we have? Great song. See, Michael. Michael's in on it. It is a great song, right? And like I said, there's a remix version of that. I don't know how good it is. But you can almost feel into Gagita's band's life. I, you can just feel into it, right? They live in San Diego. They probably surf. Um, they know where to get the best burritos in San Diego. Uh, they probably smoke really good herb. Don't take themselves too seriously. If you're if you're a dude, they're cool dudes to hang out with. If you're a girl, a chick, you're like, oh, they're really cute. They're really cute. They're really fun, right? So I don't know why they didn't get bigger. Maybe it's because they're from San Diego. Bands from San Diego, for whatever reason, 
don't really blow up unless they move to LA. Rat was from San Diego and they realized that if they were going to be anything, they'd have to be, they'd have to go to LA, be part of the hair metal scene. Uh, Rocket from the Crypt is from San Diego. Hucklebuck 411 checking in. Renee, good morning. Good morning, Renee. Nice to see you. Let's see who else we have. Neo Wise. Happy Mercury Day, Hour of Jupiter. Blessings to all. We had that Sagittarian full moon, and the uh, Sagittarian Pope opened his big mouth, got in trouble. It's always good to see the Pope get in trouble. I Look, I don't get it. I don't get the whole Pope thing. Never got it. Never got it. As a kid, I'm like, what the fuck? Who is this person? Why are they so important in the fish hat? I don't get it. And as I've gotten older, I get it even less. I know Chris and Steve love the Polish Pope, but he's in the mix for me too. And we're going to talk about the Pope today. Let's see who else do we have here. Tondor! Good mid-90s jam. You got that right, Michael. Tondor, how's the sleep deprivation going? Robert, my lane change is to the off-ramp. Laugh out loud. That's good. The off-ramp is... You're, you're, that's so funny. You're, you're, you're a, a slow lane. You're a cruiser. Wendy's a cruiser. He's probably got a low rider. You ever want a low rider? It'd be kind of cool to have a low rider. I remember I used to live in this, uh, I used to live in this warehouse. I mean, it was a warehouse, full on straight warehouse, brick wall, you know, the, the big roll up door where the trucks would pull in and drop pallets of shit off. Like that's where I lived. Uh, and during the weekday, it was busy because I was surrounded by other warehouses and other, you know, semi-industrial businesses. Uh, but during the weekend, it was decidedly blissed out and peaceful. I loved it. Nobody was around. Nobody was around the warehouse. It was great. Those weekends at the warehouse were really cool, I have to say. One Sunday, I was a tad hungover, I think. Not too bad. But I remember hearing this crazy noise outside of the warehouse. And I go outside, and it's, it's, it's a crazy noise. And I go outside and across the street is a low rider and they have the hydraulics going and they're bouncing this fucking car with the hydraulics. That's what they were doing. They were, they were kind of bouncing it. I'm like, that is nuts, man. You got to have the right shocks. You got to have the heavy hydraulics. It was like, you know, they were having fun. It was unusual. Like, okay. Uh, we got to get you a lowrider, Wendy. Let's see. Uh, Tondar's got some sleep issues, apparently. Who's the she? Rock and roll from midnight. Is that your neighbor? Is that your neighbor? Is that your methed out neighbor? I heard meth is really good for sleep. It's just like the Kiss song. Got my True Him Science gummies and love them. I sleep like a baby again. Hello. 
they are the uh, they are the holy sacrament to the land of Nod. Queen Lisa's here. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Let's see. I like the CBD rub. Oh, CBD rub is good. Best burrito ever, La Taqueria. Sony, you get the you get the award today for the best comment in chat. La Taqueria was the fucking bomb. In the Mission District, La Taqueria was it. Their burritos were always a little more expensive and they weren't always as big as the other burritos. But their tortillas were the best. They And they would always have that little cheese melt on the tortilla for the, for the burrito. And then very simple, very, very simple cheese, meat, maybe a little salsa if you were into it. You could pay a little extra for the guac. The, the, it was the beauty of the simplicity of the La Taqueria burrito. Now, on the other side, I think La Taqueria was around 24th Street. Um, down by 16th, there was La Cumbre, which I liked, but it was a very different kind of burrito experience. It was the, um, the Fat Boy. You know, Fat Boy the bomb that they dropped in Japan. It was the fat boy burritos. Uh, let's see the black Pope. Low rider low. And yeah, I, I, I was in a low rider one time. I love low rider oldies. The low rider oldies are cool, man. They have a compilation, a couple of compilations of low rider oldies on CD. The methed out neighbor is just that naughty babe. Surprise, the methed out is just that naughty. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're, you're, you're dealing with somebody who is, usually when people do meth, they're freaked out. They convince themselves they have to be productive. It, and it, it is the absolute worst justification ever. I should know. I was there a couple times. It's like, yeah, I need to be productive. It never led to anything good. Never. Never. Although there were the occasional side effects that in the right set, in the right setting, and the right person, kind of interesting, I have to say. But by and large, I feel free of Tondar. Why don't you, why don't you invest in some would be a good downer. Do they still make Darvons? Invest in some Darvon or, or something like that. Percocet. I think you still get Percocet. It's a, it's a, it's a shitty drug. Just invest in some Percocet and, you know, put it in a bottle with a little card from your loving, from your loving neighbor. When you find it hard to come down, at 2 a.m., take three of these and drink a lot of vodka while you're at it. The carne asada, that's it. That's it, Sony. Sony, San Francisco girl. We were uh, fill, filling a ginormous garden bed yesterday in this Texas-like heat. It's a kicker. 
uh, want breakfast burrito now. I know. Don't forget about El Farolito. Michael, another San Franciscan, El Farolito. Very good. El Faro was the first super burrito I had ever had. And when I had, you know, when you have food, like for the first time that blows your mind, you're kind of like trying to, you're trying to figure out like what's going on in your mouth and going on in your head and going on in your stomach. That was me, the first super burrito at El Faro, El Farolito, the little, that might've been the first one. El Farolito, Michael, might've been the first one, but then there's El Faro, which is the parent of El Farolito, I think. I think that's how it's supposed to work. But I remember having that. This happened to me a couple times. It was I was my girlfriend uh, was from Nicaragua. Her grandmother, who was such a beautiful woman, she was um, didn't speak any English, uh, and she worked at I think was a Corette. I think like a fabric company. She was a seamstress. Me, her, and my girlfriend's mother. So I was with the Trace Generations, Trace Generations. And they take me to this burrito place. And I have, the first time in my life, this thing wrapped in silver foil. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is fucking amazing. They did the same thing for me with chicken mole. I never had chicken mole before. And my girlfriend's grandmother cooked it. I'm like, all right. If, if you, if she didn't turn out to be a lesbian, that would have been a pretty good, I think a pretty good long-term family situation, family situation. Although I have to say, I had a bit of a crush on her sister. She never knew that. Sister was very cute. Pisces. My GF was an Aries. You know how we met? You, this is this is you. This is how you know. Back. This is back in the day. This is how you know that the person you're gonna you're about to go out with is cool. So I used to go to uh, the College of San Mateo, which is in, obviously San Mateo. And they have a, uh, it's up on the hill and you get to look out at San Mateo County and San Mateo Bridge. Like if you go outside the library, there's a slope there and it's an incredible view. Uh, so one day my buddy and I go out there and, you know, we're about to uh, fire one up, as they say. And there's this young woman who's sitting there on her own. And what does she do? She procures her own little stick of joy. And um, so we, uh, we fire up with her. And the next thing I know, I get her phone number. I'm like, okay, we got ourselves a date. I pick her up first date. What does she do on the first date? Oops, not a bag of mushrooms. I'm like, okay, I've hit the mother load here. I, I have found my drug-taking girlfriend. Very Aries-like, right? Initiating all the way. 
All right, Tondor has a newborn. Ow! That's right. Fuck. And you've got the crazy meth head hillbilly neighbor. You definitely need to uh, definitely need to put together a Percocet uh, gift basket. Sony says I'm always Jones for those damn burritos. It just doesn't. Well, La Tuckeria was that was the bomb. I always get the two confused between La Cumbre and La Taqueria with the image. It's it's there's one with the Mexican woman and she's wearing the low cut white blouse. And I think she's got the Mexican flag and she looks like a cross between Rita Hayworth and Raquel Welch. Uh, let's see who else do we have. Um, I haven't, you know, Texas does not do burritos. Does not do burritos. Are we talking authentic Mexican or Americanized with Colby? I'm a fan of both. No, this is authentic. They use the uh, Oaxaca style cheese, I think. Melts good. Uh, let's see. Who else? We got anybody else? Oh, look at that. I'm, man, we are connecting all over the place with Sony today. Another Aunt Lydia worked at Corette. Small world. I used to see my ex-girlfriend. She used to pop up. I've told the story before. She used to pop up in weird places. Like weird place. I remember one time I was driving around um, Lake Merced. I was going somewhere. And there she was. She was jogging. I picked her up and I took her home. This after we broke up. She became, she became a she became a lesbian. Was she always a lesbian? I don't know. Maybe. She had a hormonal thing. She had she had a little mustache. You know, she had that thing going in very irregular periods. I always like freak out, like thinking she, oh, I haven't got my period. I'm like, oh, shit. We had a 62 for a high yesterday today. But I said, God, that's positively frigid compared to this place. Oh, whole lot of rambling. I know my empath, I'm sorry. There are days where, the, you know, just queue up Led Zeppelin and it's ramble on. And it's usually in proportion to the amount of uh, sleep I got last night. Let's see. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. The rambling is over. Now we can get to the meat. We've gotten to the meat of the burrito. I had a hard time sleeping last night and that's not because the gummies didn't work. I did not have my air conditioning on. So it was hot and I woke up, I woke up uh, sweating because it was hot and I, I had left my audio source on. I was listening to something before I went to bed and it stayed on. So I woke up to Jordan Peterson and in his interview with Joe Rogan. Waking up to Jordan Peterson bitching about the quality or lack thereof, which includes discipline in one's life at 2.30 in the morning. It's not something I recommend. Just saying. All right. Should we get into the Pope? Let's get into the meat. 
let's get into the meat. All right, I have to find my source, my meat source. Let's see. Here we go. Here we go. All right. They really set us up with Russia, didn't they? They made it so that it's like that all that whole time when they decided they were going to dismantle the Soviet system, they were building infrastructure inside of Russia that was uniquely intrinsic to the West in a different kind of way that China is. Like China is, is where we get all the cheap shit, right? We get all the cheap shit from China. But Russia is where a lot of the hard materials come from. And they were building out that infrastructure since the fall of the wall, which includes Nord Stream, which includes natural gas, and there's more. There's titanium, which we'll get into. So Russia has, uh, they've set Russia up now so that when they apply pressure to that system, it's having a massive ripple effect on the West, including Europe, not just the US. So they've essentially weaponized our relationship to um, Russian raw materials, of which we get quite a bit. Let's start with, um, let's start with the Pope. Let's start with the Pope. Let's see if I can find the, the right article because we are going to take a swipe at the Pope today. All right. So this is from Zero Hedge. It was published on Tuesday. Let's do this. Pope doubles down on NATO Ukraine comments. So he said something and he didn't apologize. He doesn't have to apologize. He's the fucking Pope, right? He's a Sagittarius. And of course, with the moon, full moon and Sag, he's going to, you know, whoever this character is, we're assuming he's still the Pope. We're assuming he's still a Sagittarius if he's still the Pope. And on a Sagittarian full moon, he's going to open his pie hole. Pope Francis has doubled down on prior controversial statements suggesting the Russia-Ukraine conflict is largely NATO's fault, asserting also that war cannot be reduced to distinction between good guys and bad guys. That's the first fucking smart thing he said since he's been there. As the Vatican's own headline to the interview reads, in statements published Tuesday by the Jesuit magazine, La Civilita Cattolica, of course the Jesuits are up to their nostrils in uh, disinformation and chaos and doing their best to assert their order. There's always an interesting uh, motivation behind the Pope's comments. 
The Roman Catholic leader said that the Russian invasion was perhaps somehow provoked. While again saying there were signs that NATO had been barking at the gates of Russia in the run-up. So he's calling NATO dogs. I mean, dogs bark. Cats don't bark. Um, Blue jays don't bark. Dogs bark. So he's calling NATO dogs. Think about that. The pontiff still condemned what he called the ferocity and cruelty of the Russian troops. So now he's talking out of that side of his mouth. While warning against a pure good versus evil fairy tale of the narrative conflict. Now he's talking out of this side of his mouth. Just like when his, with his initial comments made at the start of May, these latest statements have triggered outrage. There's a lot of outrage to be triggered these days, isn't there? Outrage among Western pundits who call for escalating military support to Ukraine at the expense of a dialogue, at the expense of dialogue with Moscow toward negotiating a settlement. And they don't want to. So for all intents and purposes, the war was fucking over, okay? But they're continuing the fictional theater of the war so they can send the, the big cokehead in uh, Kiev if that's where he, he even is. I have my doubts that uh, Zelensky is even in Kiev. He's probably he's probably in Florida, and everything you see with him is most likely green screen. Besides, I mean, if you're in Florida, you're going to get better coke. It's just everybody knows that. So why wouldn't he just go to where the coke is? Uh, by the way, we are now sending Ukraine, and I'm going to get to this story: 1.5 billion a month. You know, here we are, our asses are hanging out the window in this country, and we're sending $1.5 billion a month to Ukraine. Talk about money laundering. We need to move away from the usual Little Red Riding Hood pattern, and that Little Red Riding Hood was good and the wolf was the bad one, Francis said. Something global is emerging. And the elements are very much entwined. When did popes fucking talk like this? Popes never, first of all, most popes, well, he speaks what in Spanish, right? He's, he's Argentinian, Argentinian. Um, popes never usually talk like this, but you know, this is your, uh, this is your new proto new age pope. That's when, in the interview, he provided more context to his early May statements on the war. He said that a couple months prior to the February 24 invasion, he met with a wise head of state, though Francis didn't name him or her. Well, you know it's not Biden. A wise man who speaks little, a very wise man indeed. He told me that he was very worried about how NATO was moving. I asked him why, and he replied, they're barking at the gates of Russia. They don't understand that the Russians are imperial and can't have any foreign power getting close to them. He concluded the situation could lead to war. This was his opinion. On 24 February, the war began. That head of state was able to read the signs of what was happening. He added... We do not see the whole drama unfolding behind this war, which was perhaps somehow either provoked 
or not prevented, the Pope also reiterated that the arms industry in the West is benefiting from the bloodshed. I also note the interest in testing and selling weapons. It is very sad. But at the end of the day, this is what is at stake, he said in the interview. Pope Francis's refusal to condemn Putin spurs debate in Catholic Church. Someone may say to me at this point, but you are, you are pro-Putin. No, I'm not. It would be simplistic and erroneous to say such a thing. I am simply against turning a complex situation into a distinction between good guys and bad guys without considering the roots and self-interests, which are very complex. While we witness the ferocity and cruelty of Russian troops, we should not forget the problems and seek to solve them, he explained. What we see happening, what we see is happening now in Ukraine in a certain way because it is closer to us and pricks our sensibilities more. But there are other countries far away. Think of some parts of Africa, northern Nigeria, northern Congo, where war is ongoing and nobody cares. Think of Myanmar and the Rohingya. The world is at war. Today, for me, World War III has been declared. So this allows the Pope and uh, other people like the Pope who are invested in creating a one-world solution to take note of that. That's what's happening. So the Pope is basically saying, look, the issue here isn't just Ukraine versus Russia. The issue is systemic and it's global and we have to have a global solution. That's where all this is going. It's not that hard to, to decipher, right? He's not saying that uh, I am the voice of reason and because of my enlightened position where I'm basically untouchable and fuck you motherfuckers, um, I can say whatever I want. What he's really doing is he's angling for a global solution. That's what's going on. And he doubled down with a Sagittarian full moon. So the astrology was uh, supporting the loquacious and theoretically um, authentic Pope. Um, I'm going to be on with Meredith Lucky Stars today. She's going to be doing a little show. If you don't know Meredith, Meredith Swain. And uh, I had Meredith on my Sunday night show, probably about maybe four months ago, five months ago. She's uh, really smart and funny and a good astrologer. So I'm going to be on with her friend. And I guess we're going to be talking about astrology. And I think she, I think that's just a podcast. And I, I don't mean to sound derogatory. Well, it's, not, it's just a podcast. It's not that. What I mean is that there's, I don't think there's any video. So it's just going to, it's a, it's a mic thing. I think. Anyway, when I get a link, I'll post the link. Now, in terms of guests for upcoming shows, I think we're going to have uh, our friend Jake on the show on Friday. Uh, Miss Gucci to Goats, whose book came out. And I have a copy of and have started reading. And I'm assuming I'll have it read by Friday. So we're going to have Jake on. Isn't that cool? One of our Tractarians has a freaking book published on Random House. How cool is that? And in any other day and in any other time, the movie rights of that book would have been bought already. I'm telling you. 
um, because it's the story. Now I think it's different. If she was, um, if she was queer, um, she'd probably have movie rights or if she was black, she'd have movie rights, black and queer, black, queer, and trans. Well, that'd be a no, no brainer. That would be a freaking no brainer played by RuPaul. That almost be a caricature. They'd have to get like some dude who didn't want to play trans, play trans like Don Cheadle. Has Don Cheadle ever gone trans? In a movie. Maybe they could do it to LeBron James. LeBron James's first starring role, besides Space Jam. And on Sunday night, we're going to have David. That's right. The Leo King returns to the 11th house on Sunday night. So we have a star-studded lineup of people that uh, I get to talk to. So the old Pope there is angling for a global solution. Remember that global solution. Shall we take a walk through the, uh, the apocalyptic economic landscape? Where do you want to start? Uh, Coinbase layoffs, Redfin layoffs, Compass layoffs, the crypto market, It's a Drano commercial right now. The crypto market was Drano. I was chatting with Masaki uh, yesterday, and he says that 2023 is when we'll probably get the next run. And you know, Masaki follows this like you know, racetrack junkies follow the ponies, and he's been consistently right since you know we started to communicate around this stuff. And he basically says, pack it in for 2022 with crypto. Uh, 2023, we'll get another run. So we got some big layoffs. We also have uh, thousands of cattle being reported dead. This is the asymmetric part of today's headline here. Uh, and it is, the, it is the, the war. It is the war on the American public. So here we go. The sun now has become a major factor in the war against the people through the environment. The environment is being weaponized. And of course, they're going to say, oh, it's so much carbon. So the release of so much carbon, it's the greenhouse effect. And we're going to see the rise of these, uh, these oceans and the, and the melting of the, uh, of, the ice of the ice caps, right? And that's why that uh, Obama and his and his husband bought that place on Martha's Vineyard because it's the most strategically located place you want to have during the time of rising tides and uh, melting ice caps and melting icebergs because of the the ocean's going to rise. Of course, you want a place on Martha's Vineyard. Didn't they get like twenty five hundred? I think they're applying to get a twenty five hundred gallon propane tank. Gee, why do you think that is? All right, let's look at this cattle thing. It's disturbing.
Thousands of cattle reported dead. Heat stress kills estimated 10,000 head of cattle of Kansas feedlot. We also just had another food processing plant go up in flames. The current heat wave blazing through Kansas feedlots has killed us made 10,000 head of cattle. Final death numbers continue to come in, but that early estimate was shared with DTM by livestock experts who put the geographical center point for those deaths at Ulysses, Kansas. DTN calls to feedlots in the area and to ranchers whose branded cattle were seen in some privately shared photos of dead cattle were not immediately returned. What is known is that leading up to the, these heartbreaking losses, temperatures in the area were over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. There was humidity and there was little to no wind to help cool the animals. We got plenty of wind here. Too much is beating the shit out of my garden. Uh, temperature readings reported for Ulysses began to exceed 100 degree mark on June 11th. By June 13th, the high temperature was reported at 104, with humidity levels ranging from 18 to 35%. Um, Corbett Wall, a cattle analyst with National Beef Wire, who works out of Amarillo, Texas, told DTN he heard from two non-media sources about the extent of the Kansas losses. He noted there was frustration that despite such extensive losses, the futures market fell Monday. I know it's hard for people in the business to watch the futures market, but it's not real, he said. The only time those traders and speculators make money on futures is when the market is volatile. And they're watching these algorithms to tell them where the market is going. For people following the fundamentals, it is frustrating. If you didn't know it, nighttime cooling is key. Uh, large losses in feedlots due to heat stress seem to start every year around June, said a veterinarian, A.J. Tarpoff who works with the Kansas State University Extension, he explained that when there was a perfect storm of too much heat and no opportunity for nighttime cooling, cattle can accumulate heat and die from the stress. It's a situation added that can hit both feedlot and grazing animals. So they talk about heat stress prevention. Um, so we're in a, we're in a pickle here, folks. Right. We are in we're we're in the vice grip of the asymmetric warfare on humanity. This is this is what's going on. And the weather has become weaponized. Now we haven't even gotten into power shortages yet or rolling blackouts. I guarantee you they're coming. They're definitely coming. Uh we're not even into July yet. And the weather is like off the, I turned my air conditioning off last night, which I was told now you need to leave it on because you stress the air conditioner. But I turned my air conditioner off last night because yeah, I'm getting kind of conscious of my electrical bill, the output and um, paid for with not a lot of sleep, but this is, this is where we are, right? People, people, are, people don't understand, and I've been saying this for a while, that we're in a war. And yes, it's a spiritual war. Of course, it's a spiritual war. We deal with powers and principalities that are not of this world. But it has its impact on us through the asymmetric effect. No, we're not having anybody come into our towns like Red Dawn, yet and take them over but we are dealing with gas prices that are surging we are dealing with 
food prices that are surging. By the way, I went to the HEB yesterday. The entire, and I mean the entire cheese section was completely wiped out. There was no cheese. No cheese. Now, they say it had to do with the refrigeration. I don't know. Did they need that cheese for the underground bunkers? Was there a call for cheese for the underground bunkers? Is that what happened? Is that the last thing they need down there? Because it goes bad. It spoils. And you wait till just before the shit hits the fan so you can move the cheese. Is that what's happening? All right. What else did I want to talk about? There's a few other things here. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Let's talk about the whole trans thing. Let's talk about that. So I was thinking about the trans issue. It's towards the end of yesterday's show. And I was thinking about one of the reasons um, why we, we, we go through it. Right? Why do we go through the trans piece? Why do some people identify as a woman if they're a man, a man if they're a woman, vice versa? And my, uh, my feeling about it is that it has to do with reincarnation and that we cycle through these lives, that we have some vague memory of being a man or a woman, maybe whatever our last lifetime was, comes through and you were a woman in your last lifetime. And so in this lifetime, you're, you're a man and you're like, okay, well, let's see my last lifetime. I remember things a little bit differently. I had different sexual preferences. I enjoyed, I don't know, cooking or sewing or whatever those things are. Right? Or maybe it's an amalgamation of these different lives. And, you know, you've had say 40% male lives, 6% female lives, or you flip it and vice versa. So you come into this lifetime and you're dealing with an amalgam of influences that the average human probably has a very difficult time handling. And that's not to say that it's not within our power and our purpose to um, blend the masculine and feminine and have a, an individuated self which if you're dealing with this idea of the masculine and the feminine with God and that God within you is both, that you have to bring them together, right? And the answer is not to flip your sex. It's not really the answer. And there are unintended circumstances, like I talked about yesterday with that horrific story. And that's like a first wave person who went trans, 35 years old, clearly a millennial. Um, and they said that that had been their life. Did they say 30 years? So not since they were five, they didn't start to transition at five. Let's say this 20 years, they started to transition as a team, which is possible by the way. Um, but that was a horror story. And, and I left parts out. 
there was more. And I just thought, okay, that's enough. You get the, you get the picture. So we have this opportunity slash responsibility to blend these things, to bring them together so that we become an individuated focal point of consciousness so that God can operate through us equally, right? That's the metaphysical equation. Beyond that, I think it's really um, an advertisement for ending reincarnation. That's what I think. It's like, enough. Enough. We're done. We're done. We're not coming back to the psychic meat grinder and not having to deal with the whiplash. Now, are some people both masculine and feminine at a soul level? Maybe. Are there some souls that are more feminine than others? Could be. Are there some souls that are more masculine than others? Could be. But at the end of the day, I think it's time to end the cycle. Punch the ticket, end the cycle. And I want to do a little bit more on this topic because I think it's really important. And do I believe that we go through these lifetimes and get an opportunity to master the earth experience? Well, maybe, but what does that mean to master the earth experience? Does it mean that all of a sudden you realize that you don't have to be here anymore? I mean, maybe it's just as simple as that. that You don't have to be here anymore. Is that the mastery? I'm done. Or is the mastery to be able to wake up in the midst of a fucking nightmare and realize that you're waking up in the midst of a nightmare and then live a life of compassion and depth and courage and divinity? Some people would say that that is the path. And I would say, if you're going to be here, then that is probably the path. And then to find joy somehow, some way in the midst of this infernal suffering. Because when you step back and you look at the world, the world is a really dark fucking place. Now, is there beauty in this world? Absolutely. There is that. And I don't want to shove that off to the side because that's part of the discussion. You know, you can be absolutely breathtaking by some of the physical beauty on this planet. You can, you can be humbled by the generosity um, and the beauty of an individual spirit, somebody who's been just absolutely and utterly wronged. You know, maybe they're maimed or maybe they're paralyzed or something drastic has happened to them. And their outlook is the outlook of somebody who just won the lottery, right? When you see stuff like that, it's fucking awe-inspiring. You just have to bow your head and go, okay, you've got something that most people are looking for. I didn't say all. I said most. A lot of people aren't looking for it. A lot of people are much, they're much happier wallowing in their pit of shit and taking a, a, a shitty, stinky finger and pointing it at somebody else, saying it's your fault. But there are these moments of absolute reverence and awe and beauty in this world. You can see an image of 
a person who knows who they are at a very deep level. It can be a man, it can be a woman. Awe-inspiring. Like you can see right into that person. And there's a purity of expression with that person. You can see like the, you know, the birth of a child and two people who have <laughs> welcomed the poor reincarnator into the world. Uh, there's beauty there. There's, you know, there's awe there. There's something special about that, that bubble when it's, when it's, when it's approached with two people who are relatively conscious. And I'm just, you know, I'm just skimming the surface of the things that are here. But where we are now, it's it's much harder to focus on those things because the ugliness, the filth, uh, the depravity, uh, the dysfunction, that's all being lit up. It's all being lit up. It's all being uh, promulgated and marketed as it is the norm. And if you don't accept it, you are hateful, ignorant, racist, uh, and unloving, right? So they're they're basically saying you must accept the filth. You must accept it because if you don't accept it, well, you're part of the problem. And the the problem with that is that the filth just keeps getting filthier. Like, okay, we'll accept gay marriage. All right, all right, fine. You want to you want to be married? And there are people who are part of this experience who are gay. I don't care, right? You have your own expression. Yeah, and I'm calling it an expression. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, but when these things become institutionalized and marketed, and there's an agenda, you said, well, there's a straight agenda. Well, a straight agenda is was basically pushed by, by, uh, by Madison Avenue because what did they want? They wanted... They wanted more people. They wanted more people to buy their products. They wanted this idea of the family. They wanted this idea of productivity. They wanted this idea of being a good citizen. Um, Freud's daughter was big behind this, really big. She took up his work after he died, and she got a big, fat contract with the government to promote psychotherapy all across the United States. And the idea was to create a model citizen. In, in Freud, Anna Freud's mind, what was a model citizen? It was a person that would conform. That they would conform to the norms of society. Those norms at that time were institutionally based on things like productivity, faith in country, faith in God, um, and commercialism. I remember as a kid being like in the second grade, maybe I think it might've been the second grade, maybe first. And we were being taught the difference between being a producer and a consumer. That was one of our early study lessons in grade one or two. So this was around uh, 1966, 1967. And then you, of course you'd have the pictures you know, somebody eating something, big fat burrito, that's a consumer. Somebody working a caret, selling something, that's a producer. So we, this whole idea of conforming and fitting in is was really part of a Freudian program in order to make Americans 
better citizens, and better consumers. Just shut the fuck up, live your lives, don't question things, and be a good consumer. Well, that's not really happening now, is it? Because they've got another psychological model, which is shut the fuck up, uh, don't question things, allow your the order of your society to be completely upended, and uh, don't be a good consumer. You know, be a consumer, but don't be a good one. You know, hold your nose. Uh, and, uh, you know, cross your fingers while you shop because you're, you're supporting a system that supports, for all intents and purposes, the destruction of this order. And the destruction of this order is coming. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be a fucking pope to understand that. It's coming. It's on its way. And it's not necessarily the worst thing. Trust me. Because the potential for something different and the potential to flush out the impurities of this system, they're all rising to the surface now. And this gets into astrology with the South Node in Scorpio. And I remember when I started to talk about this, that we would see the, the sort of the, the, the blistering pustules of the fermentation of the ooze that has collected deep down into the recesses of our society, right? It's happening now. We're seeing it. it it's all even something as absurd and bizarre as the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. What did we what did we see? We saw behind the scenes, right? That was all stuff that should have been kept in their apartment. Because that's what Scorpio is. It's behind the scenes stuff that we don't normally hear about. But what came out of that? That she shit in his bed. That's a South Noted Scorpio moment. Do, you know, do we need to hear? I mean, it's funny and everything. When he says, uh, defecation, she uh, defecated. Right? It's kind of funny. But it's also very symbolic. Because the shit is literally being exposed. All right. There's something I wanted to play. Because it's around this whole idea. This gets into the whole trans thing. Because that's where we started. Let's see. Uh, Where are we? Yeah, here it is. So the uh, all right. So what I'm uh, what I'm about to do here is, um, I'm going to play somebody's video who has a video that's um, connected. That so he's sourcing somebody else's video. And let me let me let me lay the context out. The context is that it's not a dad, it's a grandfather. And he's confronting a teacher about pushing his grandson to wear a dress. 
This is where we are now. So this guy is commenting on this video that this guy played by, uh, recorded by phone. And I guess the name of the uh, podcast is The Poor Man's Podcast Reacts. Guy's got 561,000 subscribers. He's got one of those nice little plaques from YouTube. Okay, here we go. I'm going to play this for you. And uh, if this doesn't get your blood boiling, uh, I'm not sure what will. Let me put my earbuds in. So I can have the, the joy of listening to this. Here we go. Issue up here about my grandson being in a dress. I mean, I'm trying to see what the issue the is about that. Whoa. Okay, you'll have to talk to Dara. Who's Dara? She's down in the other classroom. Is she, the, is she the one that was in charge of the kids while my grandson? I was, but I can't talk to you. Well, well, because you're not on the form, so we'll have to get Dara up here and see if she will let you. Okay, that I makes mean, sense. I'm not on the forms. Don't I mean, want to be talking about all, anybody else's kids. I'm coming down here because person. we don't do that. The the the, uh, the transgender and all that we you know we don't do that. And, and I don't I don't appreciate you encouraging him to put on no dress exactly, for the right. second day too. I don't appreciate that. Yeah. And don't think this is going away. I'm going further with this. Okay, you can go down and talk. No, to I'm Sarah. not done talking to you. I'm letting you know the next time that you put any kid in a dress, we're gonna make you go viral. Right. Okay. You need to talk to my director. Is it I as a teacher? No, I mean, you know, I got an issue with you about that. I'm not playing with you. I'm sorry that you feel that way. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm that sorry you feel, that, you feel that, way. that way. But you should have called me before you made the decision to put my grandson in a dress. Right. Okay. You can speak to the no, I'm speaking to you. Please do not talk to me in that tone with my children. Around. I wouldn't be up here if you. See, that's the problem right there. These are not your children, these are your students. There's a big difference between somebody being your child. Okay, he, he's kind of off on some of his assessments. So I, I want to move forward here. I'm more interested in this exchange. Well, do what you got to do. No, I'm taking it up with you. Please lower your voice. You're in a classroom. I'm taking it up with you. Well, well, you shouldn't have put my grandson in no dress. He's too. It's ain't over with, all right? You know what's crazy? It's because when I was in school not that long ago, it was the... Okay, so I don't want to hear him. I mean, he's probably a nice guy and everything. But... I want to show you something. I want to show you something here. What is this? What is that? She's got a cross in her classroom. I'm assuming that this school, it's probably a preschool, that this preschool has some kind of religious affiliation. Because I guarantee you, if this was just your regular uh, primary school, they wouldn't allow that in that school. That would not be that would not be there, even in an area like this place, like um, the Hill Country, which is very religious. You won't find you won't find crosses in schools. I don't even think they do prayer here in the public school. So. You know, what we have is we have a front, right? This is a total front. 
and it's been completely infiltrated, completely infiltrated. And again, this is part of the asymmetric quality of what we're dealing with. Hence the title of today's show, right? Oh, I'm going to enroll my, my, my grandson um, in this, in this preschool uh, because it's got Christian values. That's not the case. Clearly that's not the case. And what you have is you have an entire cadre of teachers who have been weaponized. And knowingly, by the way, knowingly, they have no problem flexing their muscle and asserting their agenda because for all intents and purposes, they know that they are part of the privileged class, that they are protected for for the most part. Every now and then, one will get sniped, but for everyone that gets sniped, there's 10 more. They're like the board. And, you know, my, my take on how they got there is kind of manifold. Number one, I think a lot of these kids, they were kids at one point in time and they were groomed just like the grooming is happening now at a lower age level. And it is grooming. There's no, you can't spin it any other way and it is blatant and it is in front of everybody's face. And the whole idea here is to normalize their depravity so that they can move into pedophilia. That's always been the goal. And the reason why it's been the goal, I'll tell you why it's not because they want to have the pick of the litter and be able to fuck your children. It's because there's a whole group of people that have participated in pedophilia. And if they legalize pedophilia, if they normalize it and then legalize it, guess what? They are grandfathered in. So anything that they've done prior to that moment, it doesn't matter. So if you're some sick fuck politician who has diddled a kid or multiple kids and they make this thing law, they pass it. For whatever whatever reason they pass it, you're not going to have to deal with the circumstances of your past. Doesn't matter at that point. In the moving forward, you can indulge in your perversity with impunity. So this is what's going on. They are in the process of normalizing this. You know, we th- 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 this is the Weimar Republic on fucking steroids. Okay, this is. This is Babylon. This is the Weimar Republic. And at the same time, while they're pushing all in on that front, they are closing the exits on what we would be dealing with in terms of just this world. So inflation, fuel prices, food, you name it, right? So there is a glut, an over surplus in one end And in the other end, there is an engineered and managed scarcity. That's what's going on. That is the war that we're in right now. You look at my front, my window here, you can see the traffic from the highway. You know, there's no bloody battle going on, but it is taking place. So what happened to these teachers? They were groomed. They were groomed. They were groomed from, some of them 
might even be coming from, you know, hardcore satanic families. And that's like, here's your job. You are going to be a teacher. Okay. That's it. That's your role. You're going to be a teacher. And this is what you're going to do. Don't think that that doesn't occur because it does. Then you get people who believe that it is their spiritual duty to upend the system. And so they'll participate of their own volition and their own accord, and they'll be rewarded. They'll be rewarded in any number of ways through popularity, through acceptance, through money. I mean, that's the other thing too, that we don't always know about. And I've never really heard anybody talk about this. Teachers don't make a lot of money. So, you know, is it just a place for them to express their arrested development and uh, inappropriately share? Because that's what uh, Paulo Freire's model of education is based on. Is, is really that the payoff for them? Or, and this is something that I've never heard anybody talk about, are these people receiving payments in some ways, right? Are they getting extra money and extra resources in order to move the agenda forward? Or are they just like bought in? Is this their revolutionary fervor? Is, is this their satanic pedigree that is pushing the, 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 you know, the ball towards the, towards the end zone, right? What's, so there's a number of different factors here, but I think ultimately they have been groomed, whether it's been intentional or unintentional. And a lot of them are children. They're children on the inside, right? That, that's the other part of it. They, they've never grown up. You know, they're dealing with their own trauma or their own pain, um, and it's not, it's not resolved. And so what do they do? They go into the classroom and they relate to the children, even though it's the Freerian model. Oh, we got a weird thing going on here. Let's do this. Here we go. Had a little glitchy, little glitchy moment. Even though it's the Freerian model, it's, um, It's like two children relating to one. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. It's disturbing. And you're, we've already seen um, the backlash from it. You know, we've already seen it happen. We've seen it with moms at uh, school board meetings. Now you got a dad. It's a grandfather, by the way. Now you got a grandfather going down to the school and basically saying, I don't play this, right? So you're going to have a whole new group of people now that are coming into the front lines of this thing. And that is the front lines. The classrooms and the programming are the front lines of the ultimate destruction of the family and the moral fabric of this country and this world. That's the asymmetric part. That is the asymmetric part of the show. The Pope problem, reaction, solution is here to solve something at a global level. That's what he's here to do. That's his role. He's going to step in and say that, well, this is, this is a problem. And it's not just what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. We have all these wars and all these other places. We're going to need a global solution. We're going to need a one world government. 
in order to bring everything in together and into a form of order. And trust me, this is where all this is headed, right? They want to have the yoke of centralized control around all of this. So the Pope is out there and he may take some heat, but that's his, that's his job, right? And he's, he's bulletproof. His little cassock is uh, made out of bulletproof fiber because he's untouchable. The Pope is untouchable. Yep, he is. Absolutely. Unless he expounds more conservative virtues and values, unless he is pro-life and speaks out against things like immigration and um, abortion, in which case he's wearing a very different, uh, very different cassock, one that's not as bulletproof as the one that he has. So at the end of the day, you know, what are we going to do about this, right? It always comes down to that. What are we going to do? Because I could sit here every single fucking day and go through any number of stories and try to connect them up to uh, the bigger picture, which, which is fine, which is what we do. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to find a spiritual solution to this. We're going to have to outlast this thing. And I suggest that you get off the fucking wheel of reincarnation. Like, enough, okay? Enough. This is a beautiful place. I'm not disputing the potential beauty of it, right? But how much more do you need to know? How much more do you need to master? How much more do you need to learn? You need to learn. You need to be able to navigate your life. You need to be able to navigate what's going on in this world. That's obvious. But beyond that, how much more do you need? Do you really need to come back here? Do you really need to come back next time as a woman or a man or a confused woman, man or confused man, woman? Just stop it. Get off the wheel. Get off the wheel. And you can live your life from that perspective. You can live your life from the perspective of your afterlife where you say, I'm not going to get on the fucking wheel. You can live it right here, right now. I'm not getting on the wheel. Sorry, that's your wheel. That's not my wheel. You know, you go be the hamster. I'm off it. And then you make decisions accordingly not to be on the wheel. You know, it reminds me of this um, book that I read one time. I think, I think it was The Ginger Man. It's a pretty good book. Um, and there's a story about a ride in an amusement park, a ride that as a kid I went on a version of. And it's one of these tabletops that spin. Right? They spin. And you, you try to get in the center of it and stay in the center and it spins really quickly, and then you get thrown off, right? I've talked about this before. Um, and the whole idea is to, is to stay on, but everybody loves getting thrown off the wheel. They giggle, they laugh, they fly into the padded wall, and they run and get back online to get right back on the fucking wheel again, right? So this guy used, I think it was, was a PG Wodehouse. Was that who wrote The Wicker Man? I have to go back and look. Ginger Man. Anyway, he talks about this story. And there's a guy, the narrator is talking to, there's a guy talking to the protagonist. And he said, 
he was using this, this ride as a metaphor. And he said, well, guess what? You never had to get on the ride. And it was like, that really stuck out of my head. Cause I, I had that experience as a kid on that ride. And I found out how to stay on the fucking wheel. Right. I figured out through the force of my will in relative proximity to the center that I made it all the way through that spinning, that spinning wheel. I wasn't thrown off of it. I was kind of proud of that, you know, seven-year-old kid, you need something to hang your head on. But at the end of the day, you don't have to get on the ride, right? You don't have to get on the ride. So you can live your life from that place here and now. I'm off the wheel. I'm off the wheel, Jack. You don't have to go back, Jack, and do it again with the wheel spinning around and around. You know, that song has a lot of connotations about gambling because they're in the song. But I believe the song is also about reincarnation. And it's about the Dharmic wheel. You go back, Jack, do it again, wheel spinning round and round. Like the roulette wheel um, is the metaphor for the wheel of life or the wheel of existence. All right, I'm out of here. Thanks for being here for today as the uh, numbers on the clocks behind me spin round and round. We'll be back here tomorrow. And uh, hopefully I won't ramble as much. Thanks, Michael, for uh, reeling me in there for, for a minute because I do tend to ramble a little bit. Um, if you like this, go to, if you're listening to podcasts go, and you listen to, uh, on Apple and you really like it, hit the five stars, write up a good review and say, Robert's been better with his mic lately. Well, at least give me a week for that one. All right, take care. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'll be back tomorrow. Have yourself a wonderful day. Bye for now.